0: And welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at The Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello and welcome to 9 to 42, uh, the podcast from the guys at The Guitar Show UK. I am Sat... As always, looking at my good friend Jace Hunt on screen. Jace, how the devil are you? I'm really good, Ant. I've had a good week, and now it's the weekend, so what more could you want? Well, I've put my Christmas lights up today. Uh, in, in fact, you know that, because my after, it ended up taking longer than I thought, so we were going to record at four, and actually we're recording later, because, mainly because of my Christmas lights. But I've been out for a walk and come back, and the, the timer had kicked in, so they were on, and they looked Fantastic. Oh well, my wife wants to see them. <laughs> Your wife wants to see them. I'll send you a picture. Okay, I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you a picture over. Uh, I went. I I, I did go. I, I was out walking, and I've seen a lot of Christmas lights up. But I was out walking today, and I did a double take because I looked down a, a, a like a close, and there was this house that was it, every piece of brickwork was covered, and it was a good side house. It was you know four four bedroom house, and every piece of brick. And I just did that thing where I kind of went Oh fuck fuck's sake and i didn't realize how loud i'd said it because i was listening to a podcast (laughs) as i was walking (laughs) so jesus uh but it was that thing that kind of stopped you in its tracks we've got uh, a house around the corner from us um and it's been on tv quite a few times because it has the most christmas lights uh, Mm. anywhere i mean it's just ridiculous and they'd actually stopped two years ago um but they've bought it back for these COVID times. These COVID times. Oh, bless them, bless them. Um, so yeah, so so I've done that. So we're um, we've got the second bit of of Bruce Dickinson um, today, haven't we? Yeah, it's our Brucey bonus. It's our Brucey bonus. You wanted to use that gag, didn't you? <laughs> Did you? You've been desperate to use that gag. <laughs> so it's our it's our brucy bonus, um, which which reminds me something completely random. So, um, did I tell you that I've started getting involved with um, the Hogarth Family Quiz? Yes, you did mention it. Right, okay. So, I do a podcast with a guy called Steve Hogarth, who's Marillion's lead singer, and for whatever reason, they do a quiz. Every Sunday night, they have a family quiz, and they do it on Zoom, and I got invited along, and I went to this Zoom quiz, and it was very nice. And then they had a special event the week after that that, uh, I did, which was last Saturday, Whereby um, somebody did um, play your cards right. So we did, so we did a virtual v- game of play your cards right, and somebody had built like the board with the two lines of cards. And if yeah. you you've got to be of an age to remember play your cards right, but it was Bruce that did it. I think he did it originally, didn't it? I think, I think he else, did. I Think somebody else did it as well. I mean, less less Dennis might have done it as well, but I think I think Bruce did it originally. And it's a relatively simple game. You answer a question and you've got five cards and you play higher or lower. It's it's nothing particularly uh, but uh, you know this thing went on for hours. Whoever organized the whole thing and and organized the structure and we we're, we're 4 hours in and people are just losing the will to live. It was fantastic and it was funny but you people were just dropping as we as we went along, but they used all the proper questions. So they'd gone online and got the questions. And if if you won't remember, but um, it was uh, we asked a hundred plasterers a question, or we asked a hundred hairdressers if they preferred da, da 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 da, you know, and and you had to guess what it was. So it was completely random. So, but so I don't know why I even started mentioning. I don't, I don't even know where you'd find a hundred plasterers. I can never find one when I need one. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very fair point. <laughs> Um, anyway, Brucey bonus. So, yeah, we're back with Bruce, aren't we? So, um, which is the second part of the conversation uh, that we recorded uh, about a week ago. And I believe I believe, when we start talking to him, I think you were just in the process of asking him about his TED Talk. Yeah, I'd watched it the night before we'd spoken to him. It was just fascinating as I work in music education. And it's not so much about music education. It's about education in general and how... He sees it changing over the next decade or so. I'm not sure that I completely agree with some of it, but um, I don't disagree with some of it either. Mm. I think it, some of it is quite a logical extension. I mean, we work in a and uh, we we live in a world now that's a very on-demand world, mm. and and why can't education be like that? And you know, you look at the resources now for kids learning to play guitar. And, and it's all YouTube and stuff. And, yeah. you know, that stuff didn't exist when we started to play. No. 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 Well, it, it goes to what we talked about a little bit last week. Um, he takes a real interest in those things. And he's a very... Um, considered and proactive thinker as you will hear as we carry on but there's, there's some other stuff in here there's some guitar stuff in here there's some uh, you know nice bits we, we get onto gibsons and grecos and all manner of alternatives and bits about old squires and what have you so it's a it's a bit of a ramble through that that starts with education and finishes with with more guitar based topics so i will uh, i will leave you in the hands of jason asking a question uh to bruce about his ted talk Yeah, I was going to ask, because I, I, last night I watched your your TED talk that you did in March. It must have been literally just before lockdown.
1: Well, I filmed it in October, so there's uh, no right, hint okay. of this coming.
0: And, and it was just really interesting, you know, because someone who works for BIM now, um, uh, <laughs> which is just a, it's just a weird situation yeah. to find ourselves in, that, um, uh, you know, you were talking about where education goes and you know like yeah. you i've had to um you know i'm a course leader at bim so i've yeah. had to get my students and my tutors through this whole moving yeah. online and we we had yeah. to move online we did the end of term gig on the thursday night yeah the friday we were shut because a member of staff had suspected covid so we were having a deep clean and on yeah. the monday we just didn't reopen again yeah you know it moved that quick and and we'd we'd had to you know, we started with Teams, and then we moved to Skype, or you know, yeah. and then we ended up on Zoom, yeah. and and it was just kind of like we'd got no no planning in place for this because we'd never had to do it. We were very yeah. much a deliver it in the classroom. And yeah. you know, you you in your TED talk, you you talk. I, I found it really really interesting as someone that's in it like you, where you were saying, you know, you you all of the products that you buy are now. Delivered to you when you want them, whether and, it be and
1: personalised. Yeah, you know. So in, in that talk, I say, going to a particular building at a particular university is like driving to Hull to watch somebody else's Netflix. You know, learning takes place. Like with for me, learning took place in my life, so I need to I need to bring that into a qualification I'm doing. So there's real world learning. There is a place for classroom learning. It's still very important. Um, but it's got to be backed up with the hybrid thing of it. it's got to be online as well. So if you go on tour, you can still finish your your master's or your degree. Um, and, you know, we we really believed in that, but didn't expect it to be tested in these <laughs> sort of extreme circumstances. But for a start-up, the thing that you lose, it's... Um, it's things like your physical events, like your UCAS events or your open days, stuff like that. But you, you can, the time at the moment is, is all about, it's going to suit innovation. It's going to be very hard on people who come against an obstacle and stop. You've got to be able to go over the top, round the side or underneath, you know. Um, but that, that's, that's why it's so amazing for young musicians, because a lot of people my age, they are moaning on and going on about how brilliant it used to be in the 90s, especially in the live sector and I appreciate how tough it is right out there for now, but there's a different dialogue with younger people who are like, where's the opportunity? What can we do? And it's going to be exactly like 2005 where the music industry just moves off and young people just take it somewhere else, you know. Um, So it's a very exciting time. My son's a a, a professional DJ, he's 22, And, and a producer as well, and I'm more... I'm very happy for him to be a professional musician right now. Although his gigs have all stopped through COVID, there's more opportunity I can see on the horizon than there would have been in, in 88, 89. Because people forget, they look back with Rose to spectacles, but they forget that how few people are involved in that party. And you might have been brilliant, but you had to get past a gatekeeper, an AR man, or a radio, you know, Radio One or whatever. So We've, I think it's a great time right? Or, uh, it's good times and bad times and I'm not minimising the struggles and the challenges that we've got ahead of us but I'm really looking forward to it. I think we've got one job one big job assuming that we're healthy and our friends and family and colleagues are healthy um, your job is really to manage your psychology in these situations and to look for positivity so Biff Byford from Saxon Um, gave me a piece of advice I was about 40 and he calls me young he says says, (laughs) he's
0: like 65 though now he he? yeah he
1: is he says you listen to me young he says he says when you're hot tour and when you're not write songs and I think what we do now I'd I'd qualify that bit and I'd say when you're hot tour when you're not write songs and train you know Mm. just upskill and I don't care if it's a if it's a qualification with with letters like an MA or a BA, or if it's just you on Udemy learning how to work a new phone or something, or developing your Instagram, whatever it is. Um, the world's going to be kind to musicians who do that, and it's going to be very hard to those on those who, who won't, don't want to do it.
0: I, I think what's... Un, I mean, I'm listening to that thinking the thing that has underpinned a lot of that story, and, and it's the reason why the comment... From the government about retraining is so disingenuous yeah, yeah. is because it's a it, there's innovation that there's innovation that underpins all this this our, yeah. our industry has been going through that for from the point we were talking about from that mid-90s point yeah and and the, the thing what there is there's an acceptance now and i think it's really really powerful that um that the the the, the creator is far closer to the consumer to the point where that relationship is direct in, in, in so yeah. many cases now. And that's where the power comes. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if you can create and create something that people are interested in consuming, then there, there almost aren't any blocks
1: any, he, anymore. There's no blocks at all. And um you know, and you can take it a long way. If you look at we work with Corey Wong, who's the guitar player from Wolfpack, started in someone's room on YouTube, and cos it's so good. It's so good. It's just got, you know, obviously those guys play Madison Square Gardens, you know, just before COVID. You can get you can take the DOI ethic to stadium level. It still works. And it's musicians taking responsibility for the business. So it's not like the 60s. Um, it's, you know, if you want to, even then though, you paid a high price. If you opted out of, of the business thing like Jimi Hendrix um, did, and like Peter Green did, Janis Joplin, um, someone else is going to do it. You know, and and you know, if you look at the, the, the two guys from the experience, uh, Noel and Mitch, didn't earn any money, and it, largely because at the end of the writing, they didn't sit down and go, hang on a minute, what about the songwriting splits? Where's this going? You know, and I appreciate, you know, it comes naturally to me, but for many people who are better musicians than me, it doesn't, because the art takes up a, a bigger part of. It. So for those guys, it's about teaming up with somebody who can can help them doing it, but you can't avoid it. No um you can't be fatalistic about it
0: no, but it is, but it's also it, it's also powerful and it's um it's it's self empowering in a way that actually if you go back to to when little angels were around that that opportunity didn't exist at all uh, no. for a, for a band of that size with with all due respect you couldn't break the mold. No. You know, you had to be Uber at that point to break the mould, at which point yeah. money's almost immaterial anyway. Yes. Um whereas now, actually, you know, you know, you were talking before about bands that like you say, about the ten thousand T shirts. I mean, yeah. I'm a I'm a huge, huge Marillion fan. And Marillion uh, yeah. have kept a career going, you know, I'm, I, to the point where there's that you know, I've covered it in a podcast, that whole thing about they virtually invented crowdfunding back in about yeah. ninety eight,
1: ninety nine. I remember it well. Yeah, I remember it. we did a tour with those guys and it was just before they did it. And I remember when they did it that we're going to sod the record company. We don't need them. We'll just yeah. race them. And it was mind-blowing. We hmm. take it for granted now. But, but it really works. It's closely followed by Simply Red. Um, and now there's got to be a, a bloody good reason to do a, re- a record deal. Um, well, I
0: think, I think the point is, and the Marillion example's great, you don't need yeah. hundreds of thousands of fans. No. Nah. You know, like you say, thirty thousand fans doing what Marillion did, which is chuck fifteen quid in for an album that hadn't been written yeah. yet, yeah. on the view that you're going to get a product in a year's time, and you were happy to make that investment because you yeah. just wanted another record, yeah and that's half a million quid, yeah,
1: yeah, you know, and, and that allows a band to do what they need to do it, it completely it completely does. Um, and you know, that's what everyone's doing now. Uh, but you have a combination of bits of m- machinery around you, don't you? Yeah. And it's, it's always the same. The artist has got like, has got to construct a solar system of, of business structures. Mm. Um, and I think of an artist these days as being a kind of a manager as well, you know, um, I'm pleased Again, it's
0: your, your your WhatsApp that's going. I thought Jason's I'm never sorry, been this. Uh, Jason's never been this popular. I'm I'm not, sorry. The, I'm not this it's, popular.
1: It, the reason for it, these little pings and everything, is I'm really bad with tech. It, despite me being very interested in innovation, I, I can understand things with valves in it and, and tapes that go tape reels that go around, but but uh, otherwise not so good. So sorry about the ping. Oh
0: no, he's fine. Then. <laughs> yeah. I just—I was interested because I've been on—I um, put myself on some training courses, um, yeah. like you say, sort of like personal yeah. development over the last couple of weeks, and and it was a company that's called the Do Lectures, right? And it's all—it's all aimed at small businesses. It's not music yeah. based at all. In fact, it's run by a company that make jeans, right? Um, right, and uh, they make jeans in uh, a place that's on the basically if you drive to Wales down the M4 and keep going, yeah just stop before you fall in the sea right and they're in a little town down there
1: yeah
0: and, and and i I emailed them before the course and i was like should i you know i, I run an event is this going to be relevant it seems to be quite yeah. product led as yeah. in you know it's this yeah. pen or yeah. whatever yeah and, and they were like no no you'll learn a lot from it and i did i did genuinely learn a lot for it but the whole thing was very much like the music industry so whether it be you know, I suppose you'd call them craft jeans as opposed to craft beer, but it's still yeah. that very handmade, small quantity. And, and, they, and the whole thing they talk about is you actually only need like a thousand people to love what you do, mm. and you can make a living out of it because yeah. you can. Set, they do like a yearbook that you can buy. They do yeah. the, the, the t-shirt, and you know, and they've got they've got a really good motto of do one thing well. Yeah, like that. I like and I I love it and I'm going to sign up for more of their sort of yeah. like courses because it, it really struck a chord with me that it doesn't actually matter I will never be the Nam show yeah. you know it's, it's physically but, but I can be the best guitar show yeah. yeah I only need a thousand people to love it yeah.
1: yeah and cut out all the middlemen yeah because that's what kills it that's what kills it every time <laughs>
0: This is the extreme, isn't it? A record company might need half a million fans or a million fans to make a band viable. And in reality, a band might only need 10,000.
1: Yeah, and even when you've got your... You have million fans on your record label. Out that funnel, the drips of the financial yeah. drips that come through to the band, you know, you're still going to be scribbling around and skint, you know.
0: Oh yeah, but I mean, in the, in that example I talked about the record company needing it that doesn't help the band out at all, does no, it? it
1: doesn't. But the, the dream now, of course, is not to get a record deal. It's to get a record deal and then get rocked. <laughs> that's the dream <laughs> because because that's when you um, we have a, a Matt White, a very interesting guitar player He's in the Temperance Movement. He's just finished RMA, and now teaches on the MA, and he did his, his he did a business plan for his final project on the masters, which is they're on a fairly traditional record deal with with Earache, very successful mm. pair in Earache have done amazing amazing work um, on um, just checking my audio yeah Earache are doing amazing work with breaking bands, uh, but Matt did his. Did a business plan, and what would happen if we did a DIY approach? And it was, both our chins were on the floor. With if you t- if you could take that profile, everything you're doing, and then apply the DIY model, um, that's v- incredible, very powerful.
0: Mm. Mm. Cool. Yeah, the they, Temperance Movement split, up, haven't they? Because Paul Sayer did the guitar show a couple of years ago. I mean, I bloody yeah. left them.
1: And Luke Potashnik he's a good friend of Luke. Luke's an old guitar st- student from. 25 years ago Um, he was in a band called Rooster
0: oh I booked them at the NEC for Music Live yeah
1: well Dave Neal now the drummer from Rooster is one of them them. he runs a production company called Wild Stag in Brighton and makes a lot of Water Bear long form videos so all our graduates over the years are doing all this amazing stuff and you know living this exemplifying this portfolio career thing but that band Temperance Movement are very interesting because they're a rock band but they come from a session musician background Mm. so they're all playing guitar for people like Guy Chambers on Natalie and Brulier records and stuff like that. And they still do a lot of that stuff. Um, but they, they said, well, no, we want to have a proper band. They took a, a few years to find the right singer. Um, and they supported Little Angels in 2012, third on the bill. Right. Because I, I did the demo and I thought, this is great. And we had the chance to do it we put them on. Within about six months, there were headlining in Scala or somewhere in London. And Jimmy Page was hanging with them in the dressing room, you know. <laughs> um, all powered by Planet Rock, you know. Mm. So it's a great thing. I don't think we've seen the last of them. I think they've they've had a hiatus, but um, with all these sort of bands, it's never say no. I, th- I think there'll be another temporary record. I suspect.
0: Mm. Oh, good, mm. good. Because uh, we we were talking about uh, the other day about future guests, and I said we should get Paul Say on because you know. Uh, yeah. It, I mean, the funny thing about yeah. Paul is that um, I don't know if, if this means anything to you. So uh, the guitar shows at a place called the New Bingley Hall in Birmingham. Right. Yeah and um so i done you know i sorted out the deal with paul and he was coming along to um yeah. we do a rig rundown with him essentially yeah. but obviously rig yeah. rundowns owned by premier guitar so it was a rundown yeah. of paul sayers rig yeah. and <laughs> and um and he phoned me up and he went where are you and i was like i'm stood outside the venue mate he said there's no one here he was at stafford bingley hall not uh, birmingham bingley LKL. hall <laughs>
1: right so did it not happen
0: no, he he arrived with about right. three minutes to spare. We were like right. chucking his amps on the stage and stuff ready for him. But he was phenomenal. I mean, because of him, I went out and bought a Lazy J amp. Yeah, they're after great that. amps.
1: Great amps. Just... I think also with the, 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 they get great guitar sounds. So and that first mm. album's powered by the Lazy J thing. It's kind of like a Tweedy thing, you know. I mean, I I like um, Marshall and Voxes, which are more compressed and more class A, aren't they? And they lazy joe's more of a class b you know but it, i have to do the same you can't use the old amps anymore they're too fragile so i i, I get plexis and ac30 derivatives made by uh cornell
0: all oh, right dennis
1: yeah dennis um who makes the best plexi i think you know and the reissues of this stuff are always a little bit they're okay but they're not the written they're not like the old ones because they're either not allowed because of health and safety and b they're making everything to cost so it comes back to your point of where do we get our amps from? I don't. I'm a lifelong Marshall and Gibson user. I don't buy them anymore. You know, I go for the little boutiquey thing, and I know what I want. And you know, I've got a, a, a lawsuit thing from Gibson, where I tried to buy a Les Paul. I'm a lifelong user. I've got mm. several, and I like the ones about 1974. And I like the ones about 1978, which have got a maple neck, that John Sykes thing. Oh, yes, thing. I remember. They're a very different guitar. They're very aggressive, cold sweat kind of thing, you know. And the, the, my Black Les Paul from the Little Angels era was that, three pieces of maple in the neck. So the, this thing with band split, I didn't really play for 20 years. I was acting more like a tennis coach with younger players, and I didn't have time or the interest in doing it myself. Got rid of all my stuff, gave Chris Leonard my old Black Les Paul, which went out on tour with uh, various derivatives of Busted, gave my Strat to Luke, sold all the rest of it. So then 20 years on, I'm like, oh, I fancy playing. Something happened and I fancied playing. So uh, Mike Ross, who who is a great artist in his own right, was running the guitar vintage section in GAC in Brighton. And he gave me a Cornell Plexi. And I'm like, yeah, this is the thing. This Because for me, it's all about sound. Sound makes you want to play. I'm like, this is, this has got that plexi, that old Marshall roar of the power amp, you know. And then I just thought, well, I just need a I just need a Les Paul, I'll just buy a Les Paul standard. And this was the era where Gibson were turning out not good guitars. And I went to GAC and I went through a line of about 30 of them, every Les Paul in the shop. And the first one I was I thought, so oh, this is right, dog, there's something wrong with it. Anyway, next one. And I was like, this feels more like a sub-Epiphone guitar. These were expensive. Mm. C- customs and standards you know so I got one made because of all, uh, my Les Pauls I'd sort of collected off eBay and my old black one I'd got back that, that was the reference that's what a Les Paul is you know so, so I had to get one made and Ian Allerton a great builder um, made one for me and he says what, what do you want in the headstock and I said it's got to have a Gibson logo because I want to pretend to be Brian Robertson in Thin Lizard <laughs> so so that you know um, that's what happened so he put the Gibson logo on at my request and I stuck it on Facebook. About three weeks later, he gets this cease and desist notice from Gibson and this massive threat of him being sued. It, it really annoyed me because he's a guitar builder. He spends ninety percent of his time fixing neck breaks on Gibson guitars that Gibson cannot be asked to fix. You know, mm. if you break your SG behind you, you send it to Gibson. They're not interested, man. Yeah. Um, so, so he was, and he was. He was, he's just a guy making... And it's, OK, my fault for putting a Gibson logo on it. But I was really angry, and, 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 but he didn't want to pursue it, so I stuck a bit of bloody gaffer tape on the, on the Gibson logo and, and eventually they kind of you know, calmed down and, and backed off. So I'm so glad that Gibson have had this change of culture. You can yeah, see yeah. that they are now making good guitars again. Um, you know, and, Although- and there isn't that ridiculous litigious thing well, well they by, were they were run by a nutter weren't they that's the problem yeah they were, they run were just run by, by a nutter, nutter
0: for a, yeah. you know however long yeah, um, yeah. And it, you
1: know when you I mean for me I, I love PRS guitars but it's not me because it, it's a different generation I, I have to have a Strat or a Les Paul mm. um, but it's very disappointing when you just can't buy one mm. you know and then you, and then you try to make one and they try and see you mental
0: but yeah, I mean, my, uh, the, the Les Pauls and the SG yeah. that you can see behind me, yeah. none of them are Gibson. Ah, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: The, uh, the Les Paul Custom is actually an, uh, an Orville Les Paul Custom. Oh, great. Yeah, that's a Japanese it, on there. Yeah. It's the John Sykes model. Ah, OK. Uh, and then there's a couple of Grecos. I have yeah, actually got
1: proper Gibsons, but yeah. you,
0: can't, you can't see those. They're on the bottom rung of the guitar rack, not the top rung.
1: I, I think um, a lot of us buy Grecos. I mean, you know, if you want to, there's still this gold mine of, um, of guitars up to about 1983 because the wood's different. You know, it's yeah. not farmed wood. It's organic wood. We can't chop down rainforest anymore. <coughs> so those, the, 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 the cells in old wood are very different to farmed wood, which has grown very fast. The cells yeah. are bigger, more water. in them, Which is what accounts for that weird balsa wood feeling you get from new guitars. Um, but, you know, if you type M.I.J. into eBay, you write Les Paul M.I.J. stands for Made yeah. in Japan. You'll still find great guitars from the 70s and 80s. I've got an amazing Les Paul custom, a white one, that yellowed, two grand. Um, I got that off Facebook. But in Japan, it's changing now, but it's always been culturally a little bit frowned upon to buy second-hand stuff.
0: Right. Is that why we get so many of them over here then?
1: Yeah, they import them over to export them to their guitars to america and uh australia and stuff like that and but i've imported loads of Greco's, and you can get a great guitar for hundreds of pounds not thousands you pay a little bit of import duty oh but... the,
0: that sg which is actually nicer than the, the gibson yeah. sgs that i tried
1: yeah
0: uh, i think it cost me something like 340 quid
1: yeah there you go and i've bought similar guitars for three you know um, the Tokai Springy Sound series of straps yeah, yeah. really good all that stuff Silver Series and, and you, you sort of work out what you're looking for we all know about the JV Squire straps mm-hmm. now I've got one of them that I got recently for 600 quid amazing amazing guitars eBay spoiled it a bit because it's opened up the Japanese thing but it's also made everybody find out about this stuff because you used to get the Squire the JV ones you'd find one for like 200 quid you'd be like I know what it is you know Um so yeah but you can you'd have to spend a lot of money on guitars um
0: but you're right i think the the older they are yeah the, just the, the better they sound i mean the, the les paul standard yeah. which is a greco um i think it's an 82 it's one of the super real ones yeah
1: that's like it's it's, before 1983 for some reason it's tend to have the magic
0: it's really light i mean yeah. really light for a les paul yeah I, I, I don't know I, I put this, I stuck some Monty's pickups in it and it just sounds amazing yeah it's, it's that, that proper old sound
1: it does tend to be the pickups tend to be the weak point mm. so I've always go to bare knuckle pickups and those guys are amazing you ring up and I speak to Ben there or Tim uh, Tim's a great guitar player as well and a, and a good songwriter and if you know what you want it really makes sense to have a pickup wound up for you, cause yeah. for me, I always have tried to make a plexi sound like an AC30, and an AC30, you have a bit more raw, like you know. So, I ended up with sort of you know, bouncing between the two amps or trying to make a hybrid or something. And also, for me, because of the horn section and 80s PA systems, I'm always looking for more of that kind of mid range 800k. <laughs> As
0: Jason disappears for the second time to answer his front door,
1: it's all right. It's all right, but that that Brian May thing, that early Brian May kind of off-frequency that sits between the hi-hat and the bass drum and gets out the horn section of the keyboards and sounds immense through a PA, because PAs Mm. have a scoop. You know, guitar players are very bad at thinking about process. They think their job is finished when it comes out the cabs, and uh, it's not. You've got to... This is what the problem with Kempers, for me. You can get very close when you're sat tracking, and you think you kid yourself it's close. On the rhythm, not so much the lead for me because it doesn't move harmonically. But, but the, it doesn't stand going through a PA system very well for me. It always sounds muffly and it doesn't stand mixing, mastering. And at the end of the day, when you're sitting in your car and it's on the radio, um, your guitar sound, your job's not finished until it's good mm. there. You
0: know? yeah. Well, and, and, and I guess from your, going all the way back then to, to those gigs, there's a lot of different frequencies going on or there were a lot of yes. different frequencies going on. So if you're if you're having to, I mean, you get you get drums, bass, guitar, vocal yeah. in in that kind of traditional rock and roll format. Relatively easy to see where it all fits together. Yeah, you know the, the bass guy's in his space, and the drummer's yeah. in his space, and the guitarist actually got quite a lot of space to play with, uh, and and what have you. But you take the Little yeah. Angels as an example. You've got a lot more going on because there's keys in there as well.
1: Yeah, and it starts with the drums. Like your guitar sound is. is- I won't dial up a sound until I hear what the drums are doing. Like, for example, if the hi-hats are loose, like an Alex Van Halen thing, they're going to take them frequencies. So Mm. whatever you put in there is going to go. Um, And the bass drum is going to take the bottom end out from under you because they've got more... They'll just dominate it, you know. Mm. So that Keith Richards thing of the middle space between the two works unless you're going to have the guitar so raging in the mix, like Steve Vai records, you know, his sound is quite scooped compared yeah. to the brown sound, you know. Um, and he, he makes it sound amazing because it's crang and it's right up there in the mix, you know. The, those early Dave Lee Roth records are very well mixed because you've got vocal and that, that kind of thing. But I couldn't do that. I couldn't do a, a Steve-I type crang sound. Mm. So for me, I hate master volume. I, I, the only one I like is a JCM-800 a bit. But otherwise, it's the, you've got to get your sound from the back end. There's a lot of difference in the power with a preamp valve and a power amp valve in terms of harmonic richness. So it's getting those power amp valves to work without the preamp valves being too compressed. So the minute you've got a master volume and they're just flat, kind of flat out, then you don't get the dynamics going the power, power amp, so you don't get the Paul Kossoff thing. Hmm. And you don't get that harmonic kind of, you hit a note and it, and it kind of goes, and it settles, and a fifth will come in, an octave and a low one, you know. Um, and that's what you don't get with a Kemper. You know, if you play a note, it's a flat, it's like in a hospital when someone's died and the note goes, zzz, you know, because there's no harmonic movement, because it, it, how can it? Because it's, it's based on a kind of sample thing. You'd have to have a million samples, which you'd have to take into account every dynamic in the mm-hmm. the room and, you know. Um, But yeah, I think we guitar players, um, it's amazing how few really listen, you know, and and I, I'm not down on Kempers. I think there's a real place for them, for modern guitar players who require that fast response. Um, and people get great sounds out of them. But it, it's not a replacement for a a vintage amp. It's doing a different job. you know. And I always find it surprising how few people aren't listening hard enough. Hmm.
0: I just think that, yeah, the thing with the, the Kempers or Axe FX or whatever, they're just really convenient, aren't they? You know. I mean, most of the guitarists yeah. that I know that you would call, I don't know, gigging amateurs because they play in covers bands and stuff like that. They've just got to cover, you know, they want to be relatively accurate to whatever they're playing. I mean, the truth of the matter is the audience is pissed and they don't care. It's only guitar players that care.
1: I I don't agree with that because I think people respond to attention to detail on different levels. So they might not be aware of... It's the totality of the detail, isn't it? And I come from an era where because there was so much money at stake, you took detail very, very seriously. Um, and you know, it's still ACDC, an immensely popular band, and their back catalogue is immensely popular with people who don't know anything about guitars but they respond to the emotion. And the, you know, you, you wouldn't want to go back and record TNT with a with a Kemper,
0: no, no, you,
1: you really, it's different. And I, I think a Kemper is a very powerful tool for a modern guitarist who uses it at its best and Axe FX is, can be I think that Axe FX sounds better through a PA I've, right. I've There's a very convincing sounds from, from them but you're using it as a different tool but if you're saying um, you know oh, Keith Richards would be fine with it he, can, he, can, he didn't need to take out his matchless he can, he can, or whatever he's using he can use um, an Axe FX well it's a different thing doing a different job however I, I did hear the other day that Mark Knopfler is spending an, an awful lot of time Seeing what he can get out of a Kemper, and you know, he's got a lot of taste with his sound, so let's see what he comes up with, you know. Um, but it's different, you know. And back to your point, I think attention to detail and respect for attention to detail is, so, is more important now than it ever was because that's how you differentiate yourself between all these millions of bands out there. You're going to get through because you're better, because you take care of stuff like this.
0: Mm-hmm. i still maintain that, as you know i've been to watch my mates cover band several times and it's just full of pissed 40 year old women that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that well, want to sing know. along to stereophonics
1: <laughs> yeah but that's that's uh that's a different thing isn't it yeah that's <laughs> that's i don't it's not craft and it's not art it, i don't know what it is commerce it's, um, yeah that is it's it, and there's a place for that and that's good but but um but you've got to be careful as a musician if you're in that world that you don't let your standards drop. Now, if, you, know, you need to be in with an MD and a band that really you're scared of every day. You know, if you're, it's like the, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. If you're the best musician in the room, you're in the wrong room. You, know, you need people who are going to push you a little bit. And I think more than ever before, you will stand out by being good. Look at Corey Wong. Mm. You know, I saw a little video of him the other day. His right hand was just ridiculous and Wolfpack. It's because it's amazing. Now you might be amazing in a different area. It might be all about your lyrics and your subject matter. But um, that's very kind of you. Thank you. This is the <laughs> this is the um, the issue with musicians. It's too easy to make it all look good on Facebook and Instagram. And there isn't a gatekeeper, there not an A and R man going, you haven't got a single. And that that was a cliche, it's in a Tom Petty line, isn't it? The A and R man says you don't yes, have a single. Yes, it is. And but we need a bit of that. Into the, into the great wide open that's it young, young musicians the smart ones get it and they're the ones that that will get through you know
0: well I think that we, I mean we're we're pretty much at the end and, and I know that Ant's got to go in a minute so yeah sure uh, given that you you mentioned um, Alex and his um, saggy snare sound yeah I just wanted to finish uh, because obviously you know Eddie passing recently that you actually toured with Van Halen didn't you
1: yeah, we spent. It was quite a long tour. It was the first time they'd been to Europe for at least ten years. It was Sammy Hagar, so it was OU eight one two kind of era. Um, and it was amazing, an amazing thing because Eddie was a big influence on me and the sound again, the, the Brown sound and all the rest of it, um, and the freedom in his playing. And you know, he's a god. He's a god. He's like the next in line after Jimmy, really, for defining. And also he find culturally you know that that whole stadium rock was powered by Van Halen. and suddenly he plays keyboards and he he, he you know he comes up with jump mm. you know and he's always moving ahead with his guitar sounds and you know the 5150 still a very important classic amp which has spawned stuff like the victory Kraken, its derivatives of uh, of all that stuff so uh, an amazing person but um, complex and the, his lifestyle was very hard very hard on himself in them days it was it was like it, it it made Motley Crue look like Richard and Judy that all. And, you know, we we were young, so we were fine with it, you know. And most of Van Halen were very sober. Alex was... You couldn't get near Alex because he was drinking um, carrot juice and garlic, raw garlic. Ugh. So they're on this... So, and also, Alex is quite deaf. So you had to try and shout at him from about 20 yards because you couldn't get this, this force field of garlic. And then he'd be like, what, what? So but Eddie wanted to hang um, and wanted to party a lot um, but I don't think I don't think he was playing that great in that era he had two 5150s going one had a load of chorus on it so all that beautiful kind of detail and nuance was. and the sound man wasn't, very, wasn't listening because often the chorus he amp would be too loud and if the dry one was up one night it would be a lot better gig than just the chorus one you know and they were just coming out the end of this sort of hair era, same mm-hmm. as us, and trying to find a place in it. So, But the thing that was surprised me was they put the set list together in a very haphazard way. So they, a lot of time they wouldn't play the hits. They played jump and, and stuff like that, but they'd do the set list on the fly, sometimes even during the gig. But it was very inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Um, so... So it was a real ride and a real part of the van. I think they really picked themselves back up again later and made some amazing records. But it wasn't what you'd think it would be. Um, so very big time, very sort of that Motley crew kind of thing, and a lot of camaraderie. I mean, you know, he's always giving people guitars and you know kind of stuff. But you came away thinking, I don't want to, I don't want to be like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to take the good bits, but you definitely felt it was the end of the hedonistic era and young people these days you know we, we tend to sort of you know, in the past you read The Dirt by Motley Crue and I remember a lot of those stories from back in the day and you're like that's funny it's quite co-. And, and actually young people just think it's old men being in, and, and women being embarrassing the hedonism, hedonism isn't considered cool anymore No, no I, I, I find that silly, with the, the you know. students now it's just silly yeah
0: They're just a lot more serious, yeah, than we were. Yeah, and it's neither
1: better or worse. It's just different. Um, It's safer, health for your health. You know, Uh, you know, it's a difficult thing. This, you know, how you access your arts. You know, how you get that inspiration. You know, and the thing about um, drink and drugs and all the rest of it—they work for a bit, but they don't work for very long.
0: Mm. There's a brilliant article in Rolling Stone about Eddie Van Halen. Right. Um, I'll send. I'll send you the link. And and it talks about how, you know, they were the party band. Yeah. But Eddie was the one that couldn't stop the partying, and yeah. Alex actually had yeah. stopped partying.
1: And yeah.
0: you know, and it's just uh,
1: I mean, it's, and smoking. It's, you know, he was smoking. Yeah. Part of the act was the smoke rings, mm. and there's a beer in his hand at ten in the morning and stuff. You know. Um. And Eddie was having a hard time a little bit commercially because it was MTV and we had a track on MTV but it was also that it was coinc- the coincided that tour with Lenny Kravitz's big hit Are You Gonna Go My Way? Mm. And Eddie hated it. He was like why is he on MTV with that stupid little riff? And he had some, something that was a little bit more meaty you know and he, he thought he should be on MTV and it's like and I remember thinking dude I think that Kravitz tune is, and the video is genius. Mm. yeah. yeah. So I went went to
0: see Kravitz on that tour. He was brilliant. Well, and I think Eddie
1: was finding. We all go through this as musicians. So we're going through it now. Where's my place in the world? You know. I was just about to say that on that tour. I was
0: just about to say because that video, particularly that, just looked different. It looked ahead. It looked new. It looked fresh. And you're just talking about the fact that the hair metal thing was clearly looking tired at that point. Yeah. And you know. that there's the reason that Kravitz got into that space, yes, because it was exactly. new and it was fresh and it was it was interesting. Yeah. And I think the other thing about going back to you talking about the kids and um, you know looking at back at that hedonism, we're back to where we started. We grew up, and you wanted to get out of the place that you were in. Yeah, you needed an escape, and that escape route was often, you know, it was something that that didn't exist. The kids, with all due respect, it's not the same. The world isn't. Yeah as grey as it used to be the no, world isn't no. as you know the roots out and the roots for self empowerment are so much greater than they used to be so yeah. you can understand why when you got the chance to break out you went a little bit wild
1: yeah, I suppose. mean we all
0: did it yeah. to a certain extent yeah. I mean you know I was the first one in my family to go to university and absolutely yeah. you know did yeah. exactly what you should do at university which yeah, I came yeah. the arse out of it yeah. and then worked out <laughs> about how I was going to educate myself later on
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. and you know I look back and very thankful that um, we learned all that stuff in a transit van, you know, through that era. But I don't think it would be great for it to come back. No. As I say, you know, it, it's it's back then, and we we need to be looking ahead. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I think that's a good point to wrap it yeah. up, don't you, man? Yeah. I right. think it's a fantastic
1: point, Bruce. That's right. been
0: an absolute treat. What a what oh, a thank you for having fantastic me. Fantastic conversation. No, no, thank that you was. for doing it.
1: Yeah, it's been really good fun. I, I hope I haven't whiffled on too much, and you can get an edit out of that.
0: And that was Bruce Dickinson, and I thought that was a great interview. Thought both parts were superb. Didn't expect to get two parts out of it, um, but you know, as he said himself, he did whiffle on a bit. And um, <laughs> you know, and but what a fascinating conversation. And I think I think we'll end up speaking to Bruce again. Um, you know, in fact, I'm hoping you might get involved in something for the show, actually. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I've known Bruce for, well, I said known. Uh, we met about 20 years ago um, when I think Bim launched and he, he came to Music Live. And I tried to get Bim to do Music Live for a, a couple of years. And he kept saying, I've got too many students. I don't need to advertise for any more. Um, but as it grew, they they ended up doing the show. And then a couple of years ago, we were talking about... Because um, I think he curated the stage at Rambling Man Fair, or one of the stages, not the headline stage, the second stage at Rambling Man Fair. And um, uh, we were talking about trying to do a bit of a warm-up for some of those acts um, on the, the guitar show sort of stage. Uh, but unfortunately, it didn't. the timings didn't really... The fit So we, we've had on and off conversations over the years. Um, I've always found him utterly fascinating. But mm. when I think back now, that it was 20 years ago we were talking, he couldn't have been long out of Little Angels at no. that point. No, no, he, that that must have broken up. Um, it's It's got to be, what, 92, 93, I would have thought, probably yeah, a so later. Yeah, we, so we'd have started talking about 2000, 2001, something yeah, not, like that. Yeah, it's not that far after. And, and Blow came after that, so yeah. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Um we haven't said hello to Craig in in Canada. Hello Craig. For a Thanks while. Thanks for listening we? mate. We, we, <laughs> we didn't we didn't mention him last last time so oh, I uh, think so. No. So hi Craig, how are you? Hope you are well. Um but you were telling me that we've we was it was it we think we've got another Canadian listener. We have according to the um analytics. Um we've got another Canadian listener. Right. And um, we don't think that's Craig playing with us then he's not downloading <laughs> he's downloading onto his phone, onto his laptop. Yeah. <laughs> he's doing multiple downloads. just to, So we do. It. Well, I suppose, I suppose if you're the other Canadian listener, that, that prompts two questions, or one question, one request. The request is, can you get in touch and say hello if, if you're listening in Canada and you're not Craig?" Though Craig's always welcome to get in touch as well because we love hearing from you, Craig. But, um, but also, when we find that information out, I want to know if Craig knows the other listener, and does that other listener know Keith Scott, or is that other listener Keith Scott? <laughs> oh, oh it could well be. Oh,
1: we might. Oh, and Craig got,
0: Craig got the competition question right. Um, Craig, if you are listening, uh, send me your address. I'll send you over a mug or a t-shirt. Let me know what you want. All the way to Canada. Well, I'm that kind of generous soul. I mean, it'll probably get there in about April. Um, but yes, I will send it. I've got somebody who follows me um, on Patreon um, who is called Jeff, who's a lovely fella, and Jeff um, offered to send me some hair gel from um, because I, there's a hair gel I like to use that uh, I can't get over here. It's I normally buy it when I go over to Nam. Normally buy two or three things and it keeps going through the year. And I've run out because I didn't go to Nam last year. And he's, so he sent me some some of this Tresemme hair gel over that he, that, that you, you get from Walmart. It's not expensive. It's just, I just I've never found one that that was as nice as that one. And apparently, because I'm tracking the package, it's stuck in Canada. So, Craig, if you could actually free up my, my hair gel. I don't know if you work in Canadian Customs, but if you could free up my hair gel, that would be most appreciated. Amazing. Right. I've I've ordered some uh, new glasses um, from the States and they've been at San Bernardino, Bernardino? Bernardino Airport now for uh, three weeks. I've right. no idea. Uh, Self-isolating. Yeah, <laughs> quite possibly. Right. Right. Somebody suggested, because I, I put something on my podcast about... The fact that we're in the middle of Elf on the Shelf and it's an absolute ball ache, and uh, somebody suggested that that the uh, you, you just make your Elf have to self isolate and that gets rid of gets rid of fourteen days. <laughs> what is it today? It's the fifth today, isn't it? Yeah. That we're recording this. Uh, yeah it's the nineteenth you've only got a few days left to go then haven't you oh, no, it's it's a it's a, fa- a faff. um we've also got news haven't we we've got as we as we wrap up we've got uh, news about a sponsor um, we have we- yeah um focus right they're going to be sponsoring the podcast which, which is, is um it's amazing it is it is uh thank you to the lovely guys at Focus right. Uh, even though they haven't paid for this episode, we'll let them have this as a bit of a freebie, shall we? Yeah, yeah, just, just yeah. chuck it in. So, yeah, it start, starts in January. So you're going to be getting bits of... Um... It's not going to be corporate, though, is it? We can't do corporate, can we? No, no. I've, I have warned them it's not to be corporate at all. I, I, don't, I don't really care that they've got a new product out that can do this or can do that or is better than the competition. You know, it. They, it's just about, um, you know... A product that works within the guitar community. Yes. If you want to get your your guitar plugged into your computer, the Scarlett 2i2 is the default product. I thought we said we weren't doing corporate. Right. that was was it. I'm no more corporate other than that. They're red and they're lovely. we We will be bringing you news from Focusrite at points in time when it's relevant. And thank you very much, Focusrite, for offering to putting the hand in the pocket and throwing a, a, a few quid to, to keep this thing spinning, which is which is great. So we will bring you some news and we are, seriously, we are very thankful to them, but we will probably take the piss a little as well. <laughs> yes, we will. Uh, I would have thought. Right, so what you got planned for the weekend then? Anything exciting? Uh, no, I, I did an online open day today. Um, that's always exciting. Right. Um, it's horrible because you do it as a webinar, um, so you can't see anyone. Uh, they can just see you uh and tomorrow uh that means that because I've been working all day today it's housework tomorrow oh, oh I'm sorry mate I'm sorry <laughs> well, well I've just got to, I've gotta drop these bits of audio into into these podcasts and get those edited up and ready to go because um the, the the first episode um will need to be ready for because we're in the fifth of December so we we need to get the first one of Bruce that'll be on Monday which is the seventh Yep and then this bit you're hearing now um will be on the 21st of December so actually in reality we should be wishing people a merry christmas we should indeed so uh, uh, it's merry christmas and uh, let's hope that 2021 is a considerably better year yes yes i all i would wish you is a is, is a safe and peaceful christmas um and and the same to be fair for 2021 um you know so um hopefully it ha- and thank you to th- thank you to this sp- for the support thanks for listening for because we've been yeah. going a while now oh it has and you know thank yeah thanks for listening because um without a guitar show to do um this would have gone mad mm. if we hadn't had this so mm. yes thank you cool well merry christmas to you as well my friend and you Uh, and I will see you in officialness in 2021 we'll we'll probably talk before then but I mean from from this from this perspective uh, it'll be it'll be next year when we do this again yes although we've already recorded it oh don't mess with my head I'm struggling as it is I'm not a drink yet I'm I'm on tea it's 10 to 6 on a Saturday night and I'm on tea I need to I need to get a glass of wine in me alright fella you take care and you mate bye 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 Thanks for listening to to 9to42, the podcast from the team at The Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9to42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at The Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production.